Hey, how we doing? Good to see y'all. I hope you're having a great week. The past six weeks, we have been walking through a series. Uh, Noah mentioned it a little bit earlier, but walking through a series we're calling, or have been calling a missional life, talking about what it means to live on mission with God. And we're actually going to wrap up that series tonight. And uh, we don't have a central text. It will be all over the Bible in a few different places. So you can kind of just have your Bible ready for Bible drill if you want it. Um, But we're going to wrap up tonight talking about what does it mean to uh, find our calling and how does our um, mission as Christians and living on mission, how does that fit into our calling? But just kind of recap and kind of catch us back up to where we've been to kind of maybe tie a bow on this series. Uh, If you remember way back at the beginning of this series, um, at the beginning of the spring semester, we talked about, you know, what's our identity as Christians? You know, what does it mean to be a Christian on mission? And we talked about how the identity of every Christian is to be a disciple maker. Is there someone who is a sent missionary into wherever God has placed them? That, that's our main calling, um, really, as Christians. It's why God has left us on the earth and not tractor beamed us, you know, star trekked us up to heaven. After we become a Christian, we're left here to make disciples. Um, but sometimes we can drift from that. We can forget the urgency um, of sharing the gospel. We can forget our identity. And we kind of talked about that. Second week, we talked about how really our identity as missionaries comes from the fact that God is a missionary himself, that he has sent Christ to us. And really the whole Bible is all about mission and God pursuing us. So therefore, we just kind of carry on that idea with being missionaries just like God is. And so the whole Bible is even about mission. Uh, Week three, we talked about, okay, if we are missionaries, if we're sent to share a message, what is that message? You know, how do I share the gospel? We talked about the three circles and some of y'all like the, you know, visualness of that. Is visualness a word? I don't even know, but uh, we're going to call it a, a word. Um, visuality sounds like a word that should exist, but it's not. Um, anyway, but uh, the visual idea of the three circles, we had the, the God's design, you had brokenness, and you had the gospel. We kind of walked through that and what the gospel is, how you can share it. Um, so there's an app, by the way, for that. I didn't mention that, but if you ever look up the Life on Mission app, it'll literally let you swipe through the three circles. It's great. So um, if you're looking to walk through that with somebody. Um, so we talked about that. And then a few weeks ago, Colby talked about when I was about to die with the flu. Uh, He talked here uh, about the idea of having a missional strategy. What does it mean to think strategically through the relationships you have, the places you're at, you know, places like where you go to class, where you work, where you live, where you play, you know, like the different things you're involved with in life, thinking through those different avenues and how do you develop relationships through the gospel? How can you be a witness in a window? All things like that. Um, I, I listened to it. It was great. I wasn't here, but I listened to it on the internet. Um, and then last week, Noah did a great job talking about what does it mean to have missional conversations? How do we have conversations about the gospel? Why do we not sometimes have conversations about the gospel? What are some pro tips in that way? How can we get better at that? And I thought it was very helpful. I've really enjoyed this series. I think it's been very encouraging, challenging for me. Hope you guys feel the same way. Um, but for tonight, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up by kind of tying this whole thing into this. You know, how does all this idea of living on mission, you know, being on mission with God, how does that fit into like your major? How does that fit into what your future hopefully is going to be like or or maybe like? How does the idea of living on mission fit into like the rest of your life? You know, know, to be a Christian doesn't mean that really my job doesn't matter. I'm just supposed to like share the gospel at my job and that's like all it really matters for is to maybe make a paycheck and share the gospel. Is, Is that it? Well, no, not really. Like, there's a much bigger picture than that. So how does this whole idea of living on mission fit into you know, what you feel like your calling is? And honestly, what does it even mean to be called? Like, What is a calling in the Christian church world? That, that word has so many nebulous ideas of, I feel called to this or I feel called to that. You know, like, what does that even mean? And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm hoping to give you a little bit of clarity um, on some areas that I think in the church world get a little bit blurry, if that makes sense. Okay? Um, but really, this idea of calling really resonates a lot with me because it fits very much into my story. Um, and some of y'all have heard me talk about this before, so forgive me if, if you heard some of this. Some of this I've to- told you like over coffee or lunch or whatever. Um, but the idea of calling is really very applicable in my life because I've struggled with this idea for a long time. Because if you know, I actually went here for school, but not for ministry. You can't go to UA for ministry, believe it or not. Um, but I went to school here for engineering. Um, but part of my story is like, I was, you know, like all of you, I was at one point many years ago, a 16 year old, 17 year old in high school. Um, hard to believe I know. Um, but that's actually half my life ago now. That's crazy. Um, I shouldn't even said that I'm that old, but uh, you know, so I, 16 years ago, you know, I'm in high school and someone asked me, hey Kyle, what do you want to do with your life? My, my guidance counselor was like, where do you want to 
Where do you want to go to school? What do you want to major in? And you know, like every 16-year-old, I'm like, I don't really know, but maybe I want to do this. And I was good at math, and I'm like, I like math, and I'm technical, technically minded and stuff, and I, I should do engineering. I'll do that, you know. And so I, I kind of explored that. I thought, yeah, engineering's good. I'll do that. So did the college application process, got into UA, came here, and started engineering school. And enjoyed that, did that whole deal. I was civil engineering, if you didn't know. Um, so I, we have a couple civil people here that did that, and I enjoyed school. I, re- I was good at engineering school. I enjoyed it for the most part, um, not all of it, because it is kind of a grueling endeavor, but I did enjoy some of it, um, and uh, did that. But even in college, I began to have this sense of like, okay, is this really what I'm called to? Is this really what God is leading me to do? Which I believe you very much can be called to be an engineer, by the way. We'll get to that. But and I'm like, is this even what God wants for me? And I wasn't quite sure. I got really involved in ministry at the BCM and at my church in town. I'm like, is ministry what I'm led to? Is, is engineering? I'm not really sure. I got to the end of school and I was like, I don't even know if I want to be an engineer. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to switch my major to, major to education. Like my last semester, for real. I'm like, I'm going to switch to education. I go and meet with a guy. He's like, okay, you'll be here for three more years. I'm like, never mind. I'm not called to education. That's definitely not it. That was a <laughs> false sign. Like, you know, so my scholarship ends next year. No way I'm doing that. So I didn't do education. Well, I did end up in education, but not through a degree. So I, you know, I end up graduating and I, th- I felt like maybe missions was, a, was an aspect of my calling. I really feel called to go to the mission field in some way. I'm not sure if it means like for years and years, but if you know my story, you know I ended up uh, serving as an engineering missionary that exists. Um, I, I worked with a group called Engineering Ministries International, EMI. I'd love to tell you more about them at some point, but I was a civil en- engineering intern in East Africa, in Uganda. I helped design, you know, a orphanage and, you know, did a water system for them. And I, I never heard if it worked, but I'm hoping it worked. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm assuming those... Orphans in Africa have water now still. I'm sure they do. I would have heard if they didn't. But um, so I hope I did. <laughs> so I did that. I get back and I'm still like, what in the world do I do with my life? You know, and the economy is terrible in 2009. So I'm like, you know, there's no engineering jobs anywhere. I'm like, what do I do? And so I end up in education and I, I was a, a teacher for a year. I started out as an intern. I ended up as a ninth grade math teacher. My year of tribulation in life, teaching ninth graders math. Actually, a semester. I didn't even make it a whole year. I quit after a semester. And uh, <laughs> ended up as an engineer, finally. You know, and I, I work as an engineer for two and a half years in Mobile. And, and during that whole time, I'm like, okay, is this even it? Like, do I feel led to this? And I'm still serving in ministry and leading worship and doing stuff with youth, youth mainly, some college students. And I'm still not really sure if, like, this is what I want. You know, and I struggle with this idea of, like, you know, what does it mean to be called to something? And how fulfilled do I need to feel in my job? Like, how meaningful does your work even have to be? What does that mean? And finally, I began to think, okay, I think ministry is it. I think I'm going to go to seminary. And about the same time, I end up talking to some old campus ministers. Um, if you know Nate Young, who used to be at BCM, and Kim Andrews, who's still there. They talked to me one time. I'm leading worship for them at a retreat. And they're like, hey, we have an intern job opening up the BCM. You want to be the BCM intern? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm way too old for that. And I, want, I actually like getting paid. That's, that's a good thing, to get paid money. And you guys don't, don't, don't really have a lot of that. They're like, well, we, we don't, but we can pay you enough to, like, you know, eat food each week, and you can stay there for free. I'm like, uh, I'm good. So I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to do it. And then God won't let me, like, let it go. And I feel just, like, this burden on me of, like, this is what you're supposed to do, Kyle. So I, I do what every parent is proud of doing at, you know, 26. I quit my job as an engineer and go work for a college ministry where I go and live on campus like I'm 18 again. And, um, <laughs> and I go and I work as an intern. And actually, the, the, the deal was, when I was the intern, Many of y'all don't know this, but I didn't really feel called to college ministry when I started out at the BCM. I really wanted to be a worship leader still, and, and like my main job was to lead worship at Discovery Night, Discovery on Tuesday nights, and the whole college thing was kind of like just a on-top kind of deal. I was like, I'll lead worship, and college students are pretty cool. I'll hang out with them. That's great, but really, like, worship ministry is it. And then I get to college uh, ministry, and I'm doing BCM stuff. I'm like, actually, I love this. Like, I, I love college ministry, you know. College students are all right. They're, they're okay people, you know, and I really feel like I feel this call in my life to invest in them. And that begins to change things. And then a, a year later, I'm here at the church and Colby kind of approaches me. Not with, I wasn't reaching out to him, but he kind of comes to me and says, hey man, I really want to hire a college pastor. Like I'm about to become the senior pastor and we're going to hire this long haired guy named Jared to be the youth pastor, which me and Jared were really good friends in college. But he's like, we're going to hire him to be youth pastor, but I want a college guy. Like, w- would you do it? And we're literally in Haiti, like, hanging out for a mission trip. We're swimming in the Caribbean, which is a great, you know, idea. We're swimming in the Caribbean, hanging out, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, work at the church? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, that sounds great, you know. But at that point, I felt very, like, kind of led to this. And so, and then I've been here six years, you know, ever, ever since then, you know. And honestly, over time, it's become more clear to me that all the things that God has done in my life have led me to this point. Not that I feel like 
who knows if I'll do college ministry the rest of my life? I don't really know. You know, people always ask me, when, what, when are you going to become like a real pastor? You know, <laughs> which I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, I feel like I am a real pastor. I love, well, thank you. I'm ordained, like I'm real in the eyes of the government and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I have married people, therefore I am a real pastor. Um, but I mean, honestly, I love college ministry. I'd be okay being the 50-year-old college pastor. Like, I'm cool with that. Um, I'm not sure if y'all would be cool with that, but I, I'd be fine with it. So, you know, but I tell that story to let you know that the idea of calling and where you're going in life is not, like, it's, it's messy, you know? Like, sometimes we have this idea that God calls you when you're, like, you know, 15, 16 to something you know you're doing for the rest of your life, and you just, like, laser beam to that point in life, and it's all just so clear. You know, or maybe you had this idea that you're going to graduate with that degree you have, and you're going to work in that field for the rest of your life and, and never have any issues finding a job in that way, or, like, you're always going to be in that field. Most people actually change their job multiple times throughout their life. Um, that happens. Um, but, but I tell that story not to draw attention to myself, but to let you know that the idea of calling and where God's leading you, it's a messy process. And we'll unpack that more as we go tonight. Um, but that's kind of been my deal, and it's been very much a work in progress in my life to figure out where God is leading me. And who knows where God may lead me in the future? Because the vast majority of really finding your calling in life, I think, is less feeling like you have this 5, 10, 15, 20-year plan for your life. Because if you do have one, good luck, it's going to change. Um, but it's way less of that. It's more just learning to say yes to God in each season in life. It's way more learning to say yes to him in the seasons and not feeling like it's, you know, all just going to work out unicorns and rainbows according to your plan. But there still is the idea of calling. And I do believe that we all have different callings in life. So my plan for tonight, and you've got to outline sheet there talking about it, is to chat a little bit about what, what is calling, what does it mean to be called, how do we maybe misunderstand that, and then how do we discern our calling? And how do we do that? So I'm hoping this will be helpful for you tonight. Because really, I think we all want to do something meaningful with our life. We all have a sense, whatever you may be full drawn to, that we all want to do something meaningful with our life. We all want to find some sense of fulfillment, maybe not in like a career or a job, but in some sense of what we're led to. Because I think your calling is way more than a job. I, th- I believe there's many people who are called to like be a stay-at-home mom or to like raise a family, you know, to... You know, certain kinds of ministry that maybe can't pay the bills, but they're called to that in certain ways. Like, I know the Blankenship family is called to um, adoption. And, like, Ethan Blankenship has a job to pay for his, like, kids and his adopted kids. And he may not feel like his job, his calling is that job, but his family is for sure his calling in the way they've adopted from China multiple times. So it could be a a bigger picture than a job, but it can involve a job as well. Um, And I think many of us have this idea of FOMO in calling, too, that we're all afraid that, you know, God has this... This plan for our lives, like his will for our lives, is hidden behind some magical curtain. And if we like pray enough or go to church enough or like do some kind of mystical thing enough that maybe God will pull back the curtain and really reveal to us, okay, this is really what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And if somehow we feel like maybe we're going to miss that if we do something wrong. And that, I think, is maybe an unhelpful way to think about God's will and calling. So we'll, we'll talk about that tonight, okay? So are you guys feeling me with that? Does that sound like something you're resonating with? Okay, good. Okay, otherwise I'm just up here rambling, being crazy. Okay, cool. I kind of have a cold, and I'm in a really weird headspace today, so I'm sorry if I'm rambling tonight, all right? So all right, let's talk about that first thing, understanding calling on your sheet. Here's the deal. So there's lots of examples in the Bible of calling, you know, where someone, a person, is called out by God to do a specific task. Um, I'll give you just a couple of examples to show this is in there. You think about Noah, not Noah Ferguson, but Noah Old Testament, you know, uh, Noah in Hebrew. It's great. Um, that's really his name. It's got that kind of sound. It's awesome. I told you I'm in a weird headspace tonight, guys. I'm just saying. So Noah gets called to build an ark, right? And he does it. Abraham gets said, hey, I want you to go to this land. I'm not going to tell you really what it is or where it is. Just like, go and follow me. I'll show you when you get there. Abraham says yes. Moses said, God tells him, hey, go and lead my people out of Egypt. Lead them to the promised land. You know, even the prophets, Isaiah has this Isaiah 6 call where, he, where God says, who's going to go for me? Who's going to go and be a prophet of this people? And Isaiah says, okay, here I am, send me. You know, Jeremiah is called out by God, and God says, even before I knew you, I formed you, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jacob Reed can tell you all about Jeremiah. They've been walking through that for like years in Sunday school. Only 10 months, almost a year, okay? Jonah says, go preach, God says, go preach in Nineveh. And Jonah does the opposite and goes into something else. But eventually, God gets into Nineveh via a large fish. It wasn't a whale, y'all. I'm just saying, it was a big fish. Because um, it says fish in the Bible, not whale. Okay, uh, the 12 disciples, God says, or Jesus says, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. Obey me in that way. And so they have this call. And then we have Paul. 
where God says, or Jesus really, kicks him off his horse and says, hey, listen, stop killing Christians and actually go and make disciples and share the gospel with the Gentiles. So we have all these examples of call experiences in the Bible that you've probably heard those if you've been in Sunday school, you've seen the flannel graphs, things like that. But here's the deal. We sometimes get so focused on those call experiences that we forget that that's a, such a small amount of people in the Bible while millions upon millions of people who were following God throughout history were just living like normal lives. They weren't like Abraham who got called to follow God through the wilderness. They weren't like you know, one of the disciples who got called out by Jesus or a Paul. They were just very normal people. And while those kind of experiences are absolutely reality and they're all true stories, that many call experiences in the Bible are the exception not the norm. I'm not saying we shouldn't seek that out. We'll talk way more about that in a minute. But we got to remember, those are in the Bible way more exceptions than the norm. And the Bible rarely ever uses the word call to describe God's guidance for specific tasks outside of a few of those stories I mentioned. That the word call is used in many other ways that we'll look at in a second, but not really that much to say, hey, Logan, go do this. You know, that, that's not, you know, you're just in the front, so you got the example. I'm sorry. Um, maybe the Lord's speaking to you in some kind of way. But, um, but he's not calling you and always says, hey, go do this. But it's a lot bigger than that. So the second point we see here is this. I would say you can, you know, boil it down in the Bible to there's three kinds of callings in the Bible. Three different kinds of callings. Let's walk through it for just a minute and talk about it. The first is this. I don't think I gave you the three on there. I just put three callings. You'll have to write down for a second. First is this. It's the call of salvation. That every person, every Christian or non-Christian, everyone is called to salvation. But specifically, the Bible would, call, would say to Christians, you have been called in Christ. That you have received and, and you have answered the call to salvation. There's a lot of different examples of this. But just think of one classic example. Romans 8.28, right? You could probably quote it. But it says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those, those being Christians, those who are what? called according to his purposes. So Romans 8, 28 would describe Christians as those who are called according to his purposes. And the purposes are what we'll talk about more in a minute, but they're called. Think about 2 Peter 1, 10. Peter tells the church, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. That the idea that salvation is this calling that we answer. So we're all called to salvation. If you're a Christian, you've answered it. But one more interesting one is this, is the idea of the word church in the New Testament. You ever seen the word church in the Bible? Every time that's there, that word is actually in the original language, the Greek. It's not like church. Like it's not just a transliteration over. That word actually is the word ekklesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A maybe. Um, anyway, but not that it matters. Um, it's the word ekklesia, which literally means this. It means the called out ones. That the church, every time you see the word church in the Bible, is the word ekklesia, which you've probably heard that. There's lots of ekklesia churches out around the country. Um, but it literally means the called out ones. Those who have been called out of darkness, as Paul would say in Colossians, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. But it's the idea that we've been called out of sin, out of death, into life. That we're the called out ones. That we're even called out of the world, quote unquote, as in the sinful system. And we're called into Christ. So the identity of a Christian is a called out one. A called out one. So we see first the call of salvation. And every Christian has answered that call. And every person is invited to respond to the call of salvation. That's one biblical call. But the second idea of call, the second one, is our general calling. Our general calling. And it's this, uh, that every Christian, this is simple, but every Christian is called to obey God's will for their life revealed in Scripture. That we all have a general call that we all receive as Christians revealed through the Bible. You know, because many times people ask, what is God's will for my life? Well, the Bible is full of things that tell you what God's will for your life is. And many times we get focused on a very small portion of it. That's the specific call we'll talk about in a second. And we forget being obedient to the big picture general call. And if we can describe the general call of Christians and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, we can use this phrase. We've used it tons of times in this series and throughout the years. But the idea of the general call of a Christian is simple. It's to know Christ and make him known. That's every Christian's call is to know Christ and to make him known in the world. Um, that's why the, uh, the Campus Crusade crew on campus, that's their mission statement is to know Christ and make him known. I love that. Um, that. It's the idea that every Christian's called, your general calling, to know Christ, to go deep in your relationship with God, to know him, to find your joy in him, your identity in him, to form yourself around obedience to him and grow through spiritual discipline, all those things, to know Christ intimately with your heart, and then to make him known. 
And the make it known is all that we've been talking about so far this semester, talking about living on mission, you know, being obedient to God's call to make disciples, that we're all called to know Christ and to make him known. But another way to think about it, to kind of just give a flip side to it, you could say know Christ and make him known, but also you could say that the general call of every Christian is to be a part of God's creative and redemptive purposes in the world. It's to be part of God's creative and redemptive purposes in the world. Because many times in our lives, we kind of compartmentalize our faith way too narrowly. That we think, okay, if my call as a Christian is to know Christ and make him known, then all that really matters in my life then is, is that I share the gospel, I go to church, I read my Bible, you know, and I, I don't sin. I, 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 don't, you know, I try not to sin as much as I can. That's all that really God cares about. God only cares about my church attendance, my Bible study, maybe prayer, sharing the gospel. And it's all that really matters. And like my major and my job and my friendships and my hobbies, all that kind of stuff is just kind of neutral. Like I know it's not, you know, I know God doesn't ignore that stuff. He doesn't want me to do like sinful things in my free time, but like all that stuff's kind of neutral. God really didn't care about that. And that's not true. Because if we look at Genesis, you know, the command and the, and the guide for every person in humanity is to join God in being fruitful, multiplying, and to subdue the earth, to fill it, you know, to be part of God's creative purposes in the world of creating culture, of shaping the world. And the church specifically, we have a call to be a part of God's purposes in that way, to be, be a blessing to society, you know, to live in a certain way that invites people into the kingdom of God, to be a, a part of something much bigger than simply the nine to five of daily existence, but to be called to something higher, to be a blessing to the world and a blessing to society to be culture shapers, to be culture formers, to move society in a direction that is aligned with the Lord's will and not simply, you know, the world system that is all just selfish and self-centered. So you can think about know God, make him known, or to be a part of God's creative and redemptive purposes in the world, to see the curse of sin reversed and be a part about blessing the world and not just continuing to let uh, sin reign. But if you want to get specific for a minute, um, I'll give you some, some specific verses that really kind of tell you, hey, this is God's will for your life. All right, so I'm, I'm about to speak God's will over your life for a minute. Is that okay? If you've been asking for it, I'm about to speak God's will over you. Okay, here's, here you go. This is God's will for your life. The first one is Ephesians 2.10, all right, that God has made us for good works, all right? He's created us for good works that God has already prepared for us, that God has created you for good works. That's God's will, is that you do good works. Whatever that means can be very different in context, but that's one of them. But also 2 Timothy 1.9, says that every Christian is called to live a holy life, that God's will for your life is to live a holy life, a life of holiness. Matthew 28 would tell us that every Christian is called to make disciples. That's God's will for your life, to make disciples. Romans 8, 29 would tell us that every Christian is called to become like Christ, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Uh, John 15, 16 tells us every Christian is called to bear fruit. What is that fruit? Paul would explain it as the fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You're singing the VBS song in your head right now, okay? But we're called to those things. That's part of God's will for your life is to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Another one, maybe less known, is Micah 6.8. I'll read you that one because it's less known. Micah 6.8 says this. He has told you, he being God, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? You ever asked that question before? Like, what does God want from me? What does God want from me in my life? He tells you in Micah 6, 8. What does God uh, require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8 says, what does God require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. That's God's will for your life. If you're asking the question what it is, hey, do justice, be just to people, love kindness, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That's God's will for your life. Um, Another few, uh, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, tells us every Christian is called to love God and love people. To love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says that's the first and greatest commandment and the second being like it. To love God, love people. That's why Highlands has his love God, love people shirts all the time. It's the summary of the commands of the Bible for the New Testament. Uh, Colossians 3.23 tells us every Christian is called to do whatever they do for God's glory. No matter if you're washing, you know, dishes, you know, if you're changing diapers, if you're working, you know, at a huge accounting firm in New York City, no matter what you're doing, you're supposed to glorify God in that. So that's lots of things I just gave you, and that's just kind of a, you know, random spattering of verses. But those are all things that the Bible would say is God's will for your life. And honestly, many times I know for me, I get caught up on the the minutia of the specifics and I neglect the big picture. I use the word minutia. That's a good word. Um, And I miss the big picture of what God's real general calling is in my life. 
Because all those verses there, that idea of knowing God and making him known, that's the 95% of God's calling for your life. So if you're looking for a first step in how do I discern God's calling for my life, start on those things. You know, work on becoming more like Jesus, making disciples, loving God with your heart, loving your neighbor, being just, loving mercy, you know, walking home with God. If you start on those things, you'll find the other 5% of your calling, the small stuff will come a lot easier. I know in my life it's so much easier to get caught up in the direction and the, the, the steps that, that God wants me to take in terms of what to do, and I miss out on the general call God has for me to be formed into Christ and my character be formed to him. Because that call to follow Christ lies at the root of every other <clears throat> calling that we have in our life. Um, and your calling in terms of job or what you focus on in life, honestly, it's always going to be secondary to your ultimate general calling to know God and make him known. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the rest of it. It doesn't mean he didn't care about the other 5%. And that's the third thing. You have your general calling, but then you have your specific calling. Your specific calling. And we need to recover this idea. It's a word we don't use a lot anymore. But the idea of vocation. You know that word? Vocation. Many times in the church we talk about a call to full-time vocational ministry. Can I be real for a minute? I don't like that phrase. I don't like the idea of full-time vocational ministry because it makes it sound like me as like a pastor, like we have some kind of special, like more significant, more spiritual call than anybody else in life. That we're called to some kind of upper tier level of Christianity while everybody else is kind of down here, you know, kind of just going to their nine to five job. I don't like that phrase, full-time vocational ministry. Because number one, the Bible in the New Testament is full of people who were in full-time ministry, but they didn't make their, their job from it. Like Paul was a tent maker and an apostle. He didn't make his paycheck fully from uh, being an apostle. He also made tents. And the Bible's full of people like that. So I don't like that phrase, although I get kind of what they mean. But I think we all need to discover and rediscover this idea of vocation. That word vocation really comes from the Latin that means to be called, to be called to do something. And I think really every person, every Christian has a vocation. And they got to figure out what it is. But your vocation is this, is to hear and obey God's call to live on mission in whatever your context is. That we all have a call to apply our faith, our walk with God, to the specific context we're in, to what God has wired us to love to do. But we all have a call to a specific vocation, to, to live out God's calling in our life and live out his mission in our specific context. Now that can change sometimes. You heard my story. It's a very messy process. But I think we all have um, this idea of finding out our vocation. And it's not just for people who are in like, quote unquote, vocational ministry. That, that I think everybody has a call in that kind of way. And we all have the responsibility to discern what that calling is and, and to figure it out. And it can change over time too, but I think we have the, the job to keep discerning that. And before we get into our next uh, section, I want to talk for just a minute about the idea of understanding God's will. It's a little bit more because I think we get this kind of confused a lot of times. And I've talked with many of you guys, you know, over lunch or coffee about this before. But I think sometimes when it comes to God's will, we get really confused because we think about God's will like this. We think about God's will like a, a connect the dots kind of thing. But okay, I'm in college right now. I mean, I'm saying hypothetically, I'm not in college anymore, but you guys are in college right now. You're like, okay, so I'm here at college. So God's will for me is that there's a next step out there somewhere. There's some job that God is calling me to, and his will is this nebulous idea. I just have to discern what it is. And this next dot is God's will. And just through prayer or, or, or guessing or like, you know, asking God to make the light green, you know, at the right time or make it red at the right time or I'm shooting a basketball and God, if it sinks in, that's God's will, you know. Somehow I discern the next step and that's the next part of God's will. And we think that, you know, there's so many chances for us to mess it up if we, if we miss out on God's will. And we think about it as connect the dots. Does that make sense? You kind of jive on with me on that? But I think many times that's an unhealthy way to think about God's will. I don't think the Bible would give us the most of the time that idea of God's will. I think God's will is less connect the dots and it's more like a field. It's more like a, a boundary that we live within. Okay, and let me give you a scripture to maybe illustrate this. Psalm 37, Psalm, th Psalm 37, three through six says this. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. You've probably heard those verses before, but ever notice what the commands are in those verses? The commands are this, to trust the Lord and do good. To dwell in the land to perform faithfulness. To delight yourself in the Lord. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. And, and that's the commands. None of those commands are necessarily saying, like, discern from God what he wants you to do, and then he'll show it to you. All the commands in that are to trust in the Lord, to delight yourself in, in him, and to commit your way to God. All those commands are commands of devotion. They're commands to have your character and your heart conform to God's will, to seek him and to seek to love him and know him more than you seek direction from him. The, those verses specifically talk about how really more than direction from God, we should seek devotion from God. Those, those verses definitely don't mean, you know, if you just kind of obey God, read your Bible enough, love him enough, he'll give you whatever you want. You know, because it says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Guys, does it mean if you have a devotion every day for the next two months that God's going to make that girl say yes to you that you've been asking out? It doesn't work that way, okay? But it really means that we should prize devotion to God over direction. We prize devotion over direction. Because here's the thing, if we focus on saying yes to God's revealed will in our life, if we focus on the general calling, the 95% that he's called us to, if we focus on that and being obedient to scripture, and if we're sensitive to the Spirit's guidance, then God's going to make it clear if he wants us to do something specific. Like if God really wants you to go serve in a specific way or take that specific job or whatever or move to that certain city, he's going to make it clear if you're simply just walking with him. If you're trusting him, if you're, if you're committing your way to him, if he really wants you to get to that place, he's going to get you there. And he's going to make you clear. But here's the thing. I think many times God simply gives us good options within the field of his will, and he lets us choose. That many times I think God's will gives us the option to choose. And the question that we have to ask when we're kind of decide on you know, a decision of, you know, major or job or even someone to date, things like that. The question is not, you know, which one of these options is God's will for my life? Like I've got three choices and one is, God, one is God's will and the other two are not God's will. You know, maybe one of those options is not. Like if one of those options for a job is to sell meth to third graders in your backyard, like that's a bad idea. Don't do that, okay? That's, that's sinful. That goes against the Bible, okay? But if all three of those options are good options that you can make disciples in, then, that, then maybe God just wants you to choose and do something. You know, and not get caught up in the paralysis of analysis of freaking out over what one is God's will. Maybe God's like, all right, like choose one. And make disciples in that. You know, be obedient to your general call in that kind of way. Does that make sense? I think many times we misunderstand God's call. Many times God's I think he's in heaven he's in heaven saying, Man, just choose a job and make disciples in it. And if I really like want you to, to change jobs, I'll make it clear. I'll let you know. You know, but otherwise, just do something. There's a great book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. You should read it, but the whole point is that. Like just God's will, many times it's boundaries, do something. Okay? But that doesn't mean Here's the thing, hear me out. That doesn't, doesn't mean that God doesn't care about giving us direction sometimes in life. Does it mean that God never gives us direction or clarity? Does it mean that we shouldn't pray for guidance? We'll talk about that a lot more in a minute. Because sometimes God does specifically speak to us. But the majority of the time, God doesn't give us the signs I think we many times ask for. He doesn't give us the, the, turn, the light turns green at the right time. You know, or we shoot the basketball shot and we make it. I don't think that's really the, the norm God uses. And don't use the example of Gideon with the fleeces, because if you go back and read Gideon, he's not a person we want to emulate. He's a coward. He doubts God all the time. Even Gideon himself apologizes to God for the whole fleece thing while he's doing it. He's like, God, I know you, I know you will probably be frustrated. Like, I know you're going to be angry about this, but please make the fleece wet and the ground dry. You know, like, he's apologizing to God. The Bible's practically screaming, hey, don't, don't do this. Like, don't be like this guy. God, God you know, like, was faithful in that way, but this is not a model to emulate, okay? Not that we shouldn't ask God for direction, but signs are not necessarily the way that God always wants us to discern what his will is, okay? So that's the thing that leads us to the second part for tonight, and we'll begin to wrap up, all right? And I'll be a little bit quicker with this. So the second idea, how do we discern our calling then? What does it mean to discern your calling? Well, I'm going to give you three things. I need to be transparent. I did not come up with this acronym of these three S's. This came from a church in New York City. I loved it. I listened to a sermon a few weeks ago about it, and it kind of synthesized much of what I thought about in this. I'm like, I love those three S's. I'm taking that, but I'll tell you guys, I didn't come up with it, okay? So I didn't come up with the self, story, and spirit, but we're going to use it tonight because it's good. So so to, to discern God's will for your life, think about these three things. Think about yourself, think about your story, and think about the spirit, I think these are really helpful ways for you to discern maybe what you're called to. And under self, think about it this way. Four questions to ask. Four things to think about when trying to figure out maybe what you're being called to. Number one, think about what you're good at. Like, what are you good at? What are you gifted at? You know, 
you know, what if people look at you and say, hey, you're really good at doing this. Do you know that? Like, I just want to speak truth and affirm that you're really good at this thing. Which that's an important part because we all know the person that thinks they're gifted at singing and they're really good at singing and like, you know, the Lord has not gifted them in that way, but like they think they are, you know, like, you know, American Idol is proof of that. There's many people, their mom told them they could sing and they really can't. So like, you know, so you're, the proof that you're good at something is not just you think you're good at it, but that people affirm that you're also good at it. Okay. That's, that's important. Not just with singing, but with many things. But what are things that you're good at that people affirm your giftiness? And we have gifts in different ways. Colby loves to say that we have gifts we're given when we're born. We have gifts we're given when we're born again. That we both have natural gifts. Our personality has been wired in a certain way to be good at those things. Some of y'all are really analytical and technical. Some of y'all are really good at like art and stuff. You know, things that I'm terrible at. You know, like drawing. And some of y'all are good at things that, man, like y'all are just awesome and so diverse. But we're all good at different things. But also we're given spiritual gifts. That when we're born again, different ways that we're good at speaking truth in people's lives, being discerning about what God's doing and where he's leading someone, all those things are good to think about when it comes to how you're gifted. And when it comes to spiritual gifts even, this is kind of an aside, um, but we've all probably taken those spiritual gift assessment tests before. I'm not against those, but to be honest, I think the best way to find your spiritual gift is to just start serving in ministry and do something, and then God will make it clear what you're good at and what you're not. You serve in the nursery, you may find you love kids, you may really quickly find out that that is not your calling to serve with kids, you know, but sometimes you got to do it before you even know it, you know, so like many times getting involved and getting your hands dirty in ministry is a great way to figure out what you're really gifted in and not letting a survey tell you, because honestly, those surveys, I'll convince myself I'm gifted in some some way that I'm not, because I'm way too like, you know, in my head about surveys and thinking, oh yeah, I'm totally a really, you know, like, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a compassionate person, but I would like overplay my compassion on the test and it'll tell me I have like the gift of, you know, like visiting people in the, in the hospital all day, every day. And I'm like, I really don't like hospitals. Like I'll go visit people when they're sick and stuff, but I don't want to be there all day. But other people like Keith Pugh, that dude is the best visitor of hospitals I know. Secondly, not only what are you good at, but what does the world need? What are the needs you see in the world that you really resonate with, that you want to make a difference in? Like what things do you see around you that really just break your heart? that you want to make a difference in? And how can you use your gifts, what you're good at, to make a difference? Consider the verses Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7 says this. This is the prophet Jeremiah talking to the people of Israel while they're in exile in Babylon. So they're away from Israel. They're in Babylon in a very, and this is totally lining up with the guy's night Daniel study, by the way, but they're, um, they're in Babylon. They're exiled from their home. And Jeremiah speaks to them and says this. He says, build houses, And live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there, and do not decrease. Basically, he says, Hey, get comfortable here and settle here. Like, you're not going anywhere for a while. So go ahead and build houses, have families, get comfortable here. But it says this at the end of that, I love this. It says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now, I love that idea, that seek the welfare of the city. That Christians, we're called not just to kind of consider ourselves as like this holy huddle in the church that we kind of come together and do our Bible studies and do our own thing, and that we can let the world burn out there and the world will go to hell in a handbasket, we'll do our own thing in the church. But we're called as Christians to seek the welfare of the city around us, to seek the welfare and the blessing of the community around us, the city around us, our nation. They were called to make a difference, like Christ would say, to be salt and light in the world. To not be known as someone who's just kind of separate from the world and we do our own thing, but to be a blessing. That people should look at the church who aren't Christians and say, man, those people, those Christians, they love this city so well. They love, I, I hope people say of Alberta that they love the community of Alberta so well. That they seek to bless this place. They don't just care about their own services and gatherings, but they love the city of Alberta. They want to be a difference. They want to seek the welfare of Alberta. I hope the campus of UA can say the same thing. That they, if, they, if they know of us, they think, man, like you, that college ministry, they, they love the campus. They want to bless us and serve us. And that's what we're called to. We're all called to that. So for you, for the world's needs, do you feel drawn to a certain way? You can seek the welfare of the city. Do you feel drawn in a certain way? And to add on to that, that, that even includes the need to support yourself and your family. That part of your calling in life and part of fulfilling God's will for your life is also to provide for yourself. There's nothing wrong with wanting to work a job to make money so you can pay the bills and live and survive. It's biblical. You know, like, if you want to write it down, 1 Timothy 5.8 says that. It says, uh, basically, that, um, guess I'm going to forget the verse now, but ba- it's basically the idea that husbands aren't, aren't providing for the wives who are living in active disobedience against the Lord because God's call is for people to build work and provide for themselves. And so we're all called, and part of our calling is also 
to be able to, you know, support ourselves. Now, sometimes we have seasons where because of health or situations, we can't do that. Y'all are students, like you're not probably providing for yourself, most of you. That's okay, you're in a certain season. But part of our general call in life as we get older and become independent is to be able to provide for ourselves. And that's part of our calling too. It's nothing wrong with wanting to work a job to pay the bills. It's not wrong or sinful. So that's the first few things we see is what you're good at and what the world needs. But thirdly, what do you love to do? What do you love? What excites you? You know, what would you be willing to do even if you didn't get paid for it. Now, I get getting paid for it is an important, important thing sometimes, but sometimes we do things we don't enjoy so we can really fulfill our calling in different ways and not get paid for it. You know, but what are things you're passionate about that you'd be willing to do even if you didn't get paid for it? Um, uh, Andrew Peterson, you know, I'm a big fan of him, but he mentioned this quote at Pursuit Conference this past weekend, and I love it. It's from Frederick Buchner. He says this. He says, The place God calls you is to where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I love that. The place God calls you is to where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where is your passion, your joy, and where does that meet a need of the world? The world's deep hunger. Honestly, for most of the missionaries I know in the world, talking about missional calling, I don't know too many missionaries that hate the place they were called to be a missionary in. We we joke about being afraid God's going to call us to Africa. Most people I know who go to Africa for mission, they love it there. They may not have been initially like super excited about the idea of Africa, they may have been nervous about it, maybe scared, but they, they love the people where they're at. They love where they're at. So I think God doesn't necessarily always call us someplace that we're just terrified of or afraid of or hate, but he's going to use our passions and our, um, our desires and experience and excitement to lead us where he wants us to be. There may be some exceptions, but I think that's the more general idea. And last one is this, it's what do you have the opportunity to do? So what do you, uh, what are you good at? What does the world need? What do you love? And what do you have the opportunity to do? Because sometimes you don't have the opportunity to fulfill your calling and also make that your job. You know, sometimes your job enables you to fulfill your calling. You know, sometimes you may have a real pa- big passion for something in the arts or music. And sometimes people can do that for a living. That's awesome. But sometimes they can't. I have a lot of friends that are musicians that they're great at music, but just paying the bills for music is, just, is not in the cards for them. So they work another job so that they can pursue music. So they can maybe lead worship at churches, you know, things like that. Or maybe you have a calling to foster care or adoption. You know, you can't make a job out of that most of the time, but you can fulfill that calling while working a different job. So what do you have the opportunity to do? For me, for my call to ministry, it was a long time before I had the opportunity to fulfill that call. I worked as an engineer and a teacher for a while until God opened that door. So sometimes the opportunity isn't there. You just have the responsibility to be faithful and obedient where you're at. Most of you guys in this room are going to work a job at some point where you don't like it, where you go to work every day and you're like, man... I hope you don't work a job you hate, but most of y'all will probably work a job where you at least are probably indifferent to it at some point. And part of our call as Christians is to do what Colossians 3.23 says and do, to do all things, including that job you don't like, for the glory of God. And one of the most powerful ways the average Christian, I use that word loosely, but average Christian can be a witness to Christ is by being just a good employee and being just a decent, kind, loving human being at a job they don't like. You know, that's a powerful witness that most of the world, to be honest, in the working world, it's way normal to be cynical and negative and just like gross about your job all the time. Like, man, I hate this place. I hate my job. I hate my boss. And I hate having to be here this time. And why, why, why? And whining all the time. Man, we can have a powerful witness as Christians by having a positive outlook on our job and just being thankful for it. It doesn't mean you love it, but you can, you know, be thankful for it. It's a powerful way we can be a witness. Okay. Two more things and we're done. And I'll wrap up with this. All right. So that's your um, self, but then your story. I've already kind of hit on this some, but think about this. Not only does your self point to what your calling can be, but your story. Think about where God has worked most in your life, maybe up to this point. And I think God uses our stories many times to show us how he's leading us. For me, um, honestly, uh, college probably was the time I grew the most in my faith. That college was the season I grew the most. And so it, it makes a lot of sense for me that I end up in college ministry. I actually thought about this, this the other day. I remember before I even went to college, this is funny, I remember being in my house one day thinking, man, because I never, I was the first one to go away for college. Like my parents either didn't go to college or they went like locally. I remember thinking one day at my house, man, you know, it'd be really fun one day to be a person who like helped college students as they transitioned like into being in a new place. And like, you know, it'd be really fun to just help like freshmen and students, like just really kind of minister to them and invest in them. I wonder if there's like jobs out there, like out there, you know. I, yeah, I know, right? Now, I didn't you know college pastor was a thing at the time. I, got to, I didn't know BCM existed until I got to school, but I just kind of thought, man, that'd be a cool thing to do. 
And lo and behold, here I am today. You know, so even our story fits in many ways, you know. And honestly, here's the thing. Sometimes we discern our calling, you know, by hindsight way more than even by foresight. Sometimes you get a couple of years into something and realize, man, I love this. I'm, I'm called to this. Sometimes you, you get into a job for a couple of years and like, I'm not called to this. I'm going to switch it up and do something else, you know. And that's part of the way God works as well. And like I said, so many times it's more about saying yes to God in the season we're at more than feeling like he's going to kind of open up and display the next 30, 40, 50 years of your life just on this kind of nice path. That God wants us to learn to say yes to him every day. And here's the thing. Let me, look at me. This is important. You have freedom to fail in life as well. You know that? You have freedom to fail in figuring this out, and that's okay. Because some of y'all are going to get out there in the world, and you're going to get into a job and think, man, I spent four years in this degree, or I felt this was the right thing to do, and I hate it. Or like, I just got fired from my job. Am I a failure? Here's the thing. You have freedom to fail in life. Because honestly, God uses our failures sometimes to do some of the biggest works of transformation. He uses our failures to teach us, to grow us. You have freedom to fail. So don't get a few years out of school and think, man, like, what have I done? I'm a failure in life. No, you're not. God is teaching you. He's growing you. You got freedom to fail. You got freedom to figure it out. Don't let anyone tell you that you've kind of just wasted years of your life because you maybe did a job or did something that you didn't feel like ended up being the right thing. That, God's going to use that season in your life no matter what. My, people ask me, do I regret having a, going to engineering school? Was that a waste of time? No. I, I can better minister to engineering students. I have an engineering degree. I, I know the pain of engineering. I get it. So it wasn't a waste, you know? And also the things I learned, it was all part of my story. Okay? So you have freedom to fail and freedom to figure it out. Last thing is this, and we'll be done, all right? Is the spirit. Because uh, we can't discount the importance of listening to God and learning to say yes to him when he calls. Because it's so easy in life to present like your agenda to God and be like, God, I really want to do this. I really feel like this is going to be the easiest, most comfortable, most fun thing that I just really want to do. And, and we bring that to God like an agenda, and we don't actually present it to God with open hands, asking God, is this really what you, what you want me to do? You know, some of us, we kind of have this idea from an early age, I really just want to, you know, be an engineer. I'll use my example, you know. And we don't really bring that to God and say, God, is this really what you want for my life? Does it mean that God's going to like slap that out of your hand and say, no, like you're going to do something else. You're going to be a missionary. No, but many times we don't even like consider bringing that thing to God, bringing our future to God and asking God, like, really, really, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm open and I feel like you wired me in this way to enjoy engineering and do that. And I, most of the time, God's probably going to be like, yeah, sure. Like, that's awesome. Do that. That is, we can't bring our agenda to him. We got to bring it to God and ask for guidance. Got to ask for guidance. Because sometimes God may lead you somewhere you don't expect, somewhere unplanned, but we got to bring it to him. And how do we hear from the Spirit? How do we listen to him? Well, I'll end with this, okay? Three things we can think about when it comes to hearing from the Spirit. And we'll get into this even a little bit more in our future series starting next week. But how do we hear from the Spirit? Three really simple ways. We hear from the Spirit through God's Word, through prayer, and through God's people, okay? We hear from the Spirit through God's Word, through prayer, and through God's people, that we got to get in God's word and, and understand the 95%, the big picture general calling God has given us. If we really want to discern maybe where God is leading us, we got to be shaped and formed by God's word. We have to be people of the book who are shaped by God's word to maybe understand where he's leading us. We got to be in the Bible. Um, the way that God called me to Uganda was actually through the verse 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. I read that and God put a, a light in my brain saying, Kyle, I've given you the gift of engineering, go do it in Uganda. I knew about that opportunity at that point and it was as clear as day. It wasn't an audible voice, but it might as well have been in my head, Kyle, go to Uganda, use the gift of engineering there. That's, that's a very rare thing for me. That's the only time in my life it's ever happened in that way. Um, my call to Alberta was not that way. It, it just made more sense. But God sometimes speaks that way. He uses scripture, so you've got to be in it. Second way is prayer. We have to spend time asking God, bringing not just our agenda to him, but asking him, God, what do you want me to do? Spend time with him in prayer. We're going to spend four weeks starting next week about, um, talking about prayer. We're going to do a four-week series called A Praying Life, talking about the importance of prayer, what it is, how do we do it. We're going to look at lots of different places in the Bible where we can learn to pray better. And honestly, the idea of mission should lead us into prayer. Because the more we talk about this, the more it should drive us to our need for prayer. Like, man, like, God, I don't have the words for this. I don't have the, the boldness for this. I need you. And so we're going to talk about prayer for four weeks starting next week. We'd love to have you here. And then last thing is, is God's people. And many times we need the input of other people in our life. I've so benefited from the wisdom of people, um, some older than me, some just like kind of peers with me. But just people who can speak into my life and say, yeah, like, Kyle, I really affirm that call. And when I finally kind of you know, transitioned into ministry, I had multiple people who came to me and said, Kyle, like, I really have sense this is where God has been leading you for, for years. 
And even as I've been at the church over the years, people have affirmed like, God, uh, Kyle, you really seem to have a a calling and a gifting in this kind of way. And God has kind of confirmed that through these people. And the same thing can be for you, that God gives you people in life. He gives us the church to get wise counsel, not just about your major, but even just about decisions in life. So don't neglect the importance of God's people, all right, in your life in terms of discerning the call, your calling and letting the spirit speak to you in that way, okay? And to wrap up, like I've said, so much of finding your calling is not maybe figuring out to connect the dots and divining what God is saying, but most of the time, it's gonna be learning to just, just to say yes to what God is leading you to in that season. Y'all are in probably the most pivotal season of life when it comes to decisions. I don't envy y'all. Y'all have way more decisions and options probably than anyone else, any other generation in the world. Um, but here's the thing, it's, that is a ripe season also for the Lord to do big things in your life. And really for me, the season of college where I was trying to figure out where God was leading me in the future was the time I had to be the most dependent upon the Lord, the time I was the most humbled to hear from him and, and, and learn from him. And that can be the same thing for you. So I wanna encourage you as you're in the season of college, whether you feel like, man, I've already got figured out, like I'm gonna be a computer scientist, work for, you know, be a programmer and that's where God's leading me. Praise God, do that, be a, freaking awesome computer scientist programmer for the Lord. But maybe some of y'all are like, I'm not really sure. It's a great time, you know, to just go to before God and be like, God, like, what do you want from me? Maybe I've been kind of coasting in this major of, of something because I don't know what to do, but God, I want to come to you and be like, well, really, what do you want me to do? Okay. So I want to pray for us. And then I've been gone a little bit longer than I meant to tonight because I'm rambling like crazy. So uh, we'll take just a few minutes to pray or to discuss at our tables and then I'll come back up and dismiss us. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you that you care about the big and the small things in our life. You're the God of the big and small. You're the God that um, has given us your word as truth to guide us and shape us and form us and to show us um, your will, the way you want us to live each day. But also for Christians, you've placed your Holy Spirit inside of us to lead us and direct us, to sometimes convict us in certain things we need to do, sometimes just to give us um, Really just encouragement to seek your face and to be obedient in whatever you put before us. So I pray for these students as they're in a very pivotal time in life, as they're in a very just um, intentional season where they're trying to figure out maybe what you're leading them to for the rest of life. I pray that you would um, not allow this to be a time where they kind of just dig their heels in the sand and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to shape my life and, and live my life the way I want to. But I pray that their, their posture and their spirit during this season, even tonight in this week, It would be one of open hands, saying, God, really, what do you want me to do? Lord, have you gifted me? How have you shaped me? And where are you leading me? And Lord, I know that we'll find that so many times the gifts that you've given us, the passions, the the story you've given us are going to show us where to go. But I pray you'd help these students to have that posture of dependence um, on you and to be led by your spirit. So we love you. We thank you for this time tonight. I pray you bless the conversations we're going to have at tables. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you guys take a few minutes to discuss your table, and I'll come back and send this out in just a minute.